TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Snare drum time does indeed mean Score North Gophers show time. Welcome in. Thanks for finding this podcast. Whether it be via Apple, Spotify, that free Score North mobile app, or maybe you're listening at scorenorth.com. Thank you so much for finding the Score North Gophers show. Ran into a few different people, Manny, supporters of the Score North Gophers show at the golf show this weekend. Oh, nice. One of them even asked, how do we help the show? Well, here it is. Obligatory mention. Give us a review. Yeah. And preferably a good review. Well, we, we we love the good yeah. reviews. Of we can't. Course. We, we can't, always appreciate those. We can't legislate one one way or another, but the better reviews do more for us. So that is your way that you can help this podcast. The voice you just heard—I already mentioned his name, Mister Manny Hill at Manny Hill eighty four on Twitter—does a lot for us here at Score North, including now contributing on the Score North Gopher Show. Also raised by Wolves, Roycey Unchained, Roycey on Baseball. Vent line, and I'm sure I'm missing a few things there. I think you got everything. I think that's it everything. It helps to take notes. <laughs> I just held my notes up. I think you crossed everything for off. For Manny. Yes. <laughs> also pleased to be joined via the phone because we are contractually obligated. Also, per the governor and many other authoritative powers, we are not allowed to ever see each other face to face. Tim McNiff, who is on the Twitter machine at Tim McNiff One, he is the strategic communications coach and consultant for none other than Tim McNiff LLC. Also, a creator of original sports content for the National Sports Center in Blaine. And Tim's been a guest on the Gopher Show podcast before. Him and I go way back, and I genuinely appreciate. Everything he does for me and the time that he gives me, Tim, it is great to hear your voice and introduce you to Mr. Manny Hill. And Manny's got some pipes, doesn't he? I try. <laughs> it's It really isn't fair. I mean, listen no. to me. This is the best my voice has sounded in a couple of years, and it's because I have a cold. <laughs> I'm, I'm not willing to put up with a cold to have a deeper voice, but Manny's just blessed to have it. Your voice is fine, Tim. <laughs> You know, it's one of those things, you always think you sound a certain way, and then when you hear yourself for the first time, you're like, I don't sound like that. You know, so I've I've come to terms with it. Yeah, once I was on a ski trip with some guys, and I was on a a mountain in in Utah, and goggles on, you know, the hat, all the the nine yards, and I was saying something to somebody, these people skied over, they go, are you Tim McNiff? (laughs) Oh my God, how can you know? They go, we just heard your voice. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, that I guess that's not bad. I have learned I have a little bit more power here around Hubbard Broadcasting than I thought I did. You know, I'm promotions manager, Score North Gopher show contributor, but other people around the office, Tim, have told me that I sound like the big boss. So when they're sitting in another room and they hear me talking, they assume I'm Dan Seaman who runs the show here. <laughs> so I just need to start walking around when people can't see me and just start demanding things like. Somebody should really buy Ross lunch, and then maybe they'll come down and buy me lunch. Like, like Friday about 3 o'clock, just watch the yes. office and go, who's still here? Yes. that's I've said that <laughs> multiple times. Certain areas of this building, I should walk by and, and do that. Let's talk. Let's start with some Gopher hoops, gentlemen. The Gophers currently 13-13, and 13, coming off of an 83-57 to 57 win over Northwestern. 
Per ESPN's Joe Lenardi, he is the resident bracketologist, as I like to call him when things aren't going well for the Gophers. Crooked Lenardi, as of this morning, <laughs> has the Gophers not even on their radar, not even on his radar. They're not in the first four out, nor are they in the next four out, and obviously at this point, nor should they be. This, though, is despite a current net ranking of 42, which is actually really good. If the Gophers were to win out, that would probably really help them and maybe help them get into the NCAA tournament. I don't think anybody on this edition of the Score North Gophers <laughs> show is expecting that. The Gophers will host Maryland this Wednesday at 8 p.m. at the Barn. Uh, Tim, 13-13, and 13, 26 games in. How you feeling about the basketball squad? Does it? Is it just me or does it feel like Richard Pitino's been here for like 50 years? <laughs> it's It's been seven, and it feels it does feel longer than that, and seven is a long time. Yeah. No, I mean, we have to this whole thing of like, well, if we just had a practice facility, well, if we just had this study center, well, if we just had their own, you know, all these different things, if they just had this and they just had that, you know, and it just seems like I still don't understand his substitutions. I still don't understand you know, what he's going for, like building a, a team. And and I don't understand his in-game decisions, and I just perish what I think the season would have been like without Daniel Latouro. Oh, all we have to do is wait 10 months, and that's what it's going to be. Wow, so you're actually thinking that uh, Oturu will exit stage, right? I've I've talked myself back into a position where, I know how much he values school, and he can actually graduate next year. He can finish his degree next year. So I've talked myself back to a point where I think he might come back. I lean more towards probably will come back. If he does that, let's just say if he does, no matter who the coach is next year, this should be a pretty good team. If, though, keyword if. I I don't even know how you can say that. I mean, I think with this team we're looking at right now, to me, they had one brief stint, including that uh, game they played Oklahoma State in a neutral site. And, and um, you know, Kelcher was actually making shots. And Carr was making baskets. And Oturu was Oturu. And, you know, um, they just got enough from Peyton to, to look like, okay, they're finally going to be something. And then they played Purdue on the road and were there. They were there. They were there and managed to give it away in overtime and it's just been all downhill ever since then. And to see these guys suddenly hit three-pointers against freaking Northwestern, are you kidding me? After going one for 11 against Indiana, you know, these, these guys, uh, you know, combined to just shoot the lights out. If they can do it for the next three or four games, sure, whatever. Go, go get them. But I don't think any of us expect that, especially when they see Maryland coming off a loss at the Ohio State University. I just don't see them losing two in a row. Tim, depth seems to be the the biggest glaring issue with his team right now, right? I mean, it's just I think Ross and I were just talking, um, or Ross, you may have been on on the pod with Phil Mackey last week talking about how the Gophers have not gotten double digit, and I'd have to look up the numbers from from the Northwestern game, the latest game they played, but the Gophers have not had double digit scoring output from their bench in like weeks, right? Yeah. It's been like 10 games or something it, something like that? Going into yesterday, and I'd have to look too, but Tim, going into yesterday, it had been 12 conference games since oh the Gophers gosh. had double-digit points from their bench. Coincidentally enough, it was against Northwestern. 
I'm going to guess with 87 points yesterday, they got to 10-plus bench points. I'll look that up. But that seems to be, Tim, what has plagued not only Richard Pitino, but also plagued Tubby Smith, just not having depth on the roster to be able to overcome when an Amir Coffee or a Daniel Oturu leaves early. Well, you know, I, I, I get that to an extent with with Amir Coffee, but ultimately he's responsible for putting this team together. He's responsible for recruiting these kids in there. And, you know, you can't be in there seven years and be talking about it. Well, like, yeah, well, we just don't have the depth, you know, maybe in another seven years, we will, you know, it's just not the way it works. I mean, he's had enough time. He's had enough time to, to put together his type of team. I still don't know what that is to play his type of basketball. I still don't know what that is. And, and I just, you know, you hate to start over, but then again, I don't because I just think that, you know, he got hot that one time, just enough to get the contract extension. Oh, it looks like he's just figuring it out. Nope. He hasn't figured it out. He's responsible for the lack of depth on this team. I totally agree. But even you say that, I think we can all put on the fingers of one hand, how many times we've seen this team, even the first five all play to the best of their ability. And I just, I just don't understand it why they just can't put it together. But, uh, they just really found it hard to do. And Tim, for the record, I just looked up the uh, box score from Sunday's game, and the Gophers did once again fail to get 10 total points from their bench. They had nine from uh, Omersa and Freeman combined. So so close. Yeah. Tim, I want to ask you big picture on the Gopher basketball program. It sounds like you're to the point where you're kind of leaning towards being okay with the coaching change. I've... I'll tell you where I'm at. Maybe I'll let Manny chime in with where he's at, and then we'll we'll let you be the tiebreaker, or maybe Manny and I are the same. Here's where I'm at. I think, excuse me, battling this cold, I think if you comprise, if you're Mark Coyle, and you comprise a list of three to maybe five names, we'll call it three, and you know, you know you're going to get one of those three names, then you go ahead and make the change now. If you're not convinced that you're going to get one of those three names, then you probably give Patino one more year. But the buyout stays the same, I think, into next year. So you're not going to save much by keeping him around. You'd have to legitimately believe that he's the coach for this program. And I think the Gophers are in a really tough spot, Tim, because, well, and all of Manny reply to, like I said, it just feels like, I don't know if we know that he isn't the coach for the program, but I don't know if we know that he is. But if we're seven years in and we're still asking that question, maybe that starts to push me back towards the other way where maybe we're just finding out that he isn't. I don't think, Tim, I uh, this literally comes up every podcast, the football team at bare minimum should go 6-6 six and six every year and qualify for a lower-tier bowl game. I don't think we're asking too much for the Gopher basketball program Every 10 years to go to six or seven, maybe even eight NCAA tournaments. The history would say that that's not how this happens. Since the early 70s, they've only been to 14 NCAA tournaments. Four were stripped from the record books. So it doesn't happen all that often. So I want to try and be self-aware. But I also don't think if the expectation's not to make the NCAA tournament every year, then what's the point in having a Big Ten basketball team? Tim, I'll let you respond. I'm mixing it up. I'm keeping you both on your toes. Yeah, no, I, I just this is this is allegedly 
you know, a, a Big Ten school. We shouldn't just sit there and settle for being a bottom feeder or being second tier. We're in a major city. This should be a draw. You know, players coming here, you know, they, they should be like, oh, yeah, we've got professional hockey. We've got professional football. We've got pro basketball. I can go over there and see the Timberwolves, and people can see me, and I'm playing in the Big Ten, and I'm going to be, you know, uh, primetime coverage and all the rest of it. There's no reason to say we're going to be the same thing with football that we're going to be anything less than Wisconsin, anything less than Iowa. We just can't because we're we're in a bigger market than they are. And you know, just if we hang it even under tradition, we should be where they are. We may never be uh, Michigan or, or Ohio State in football or Michigan State on a consistent basis in basketball, but we should have those like as other teams do. Years where we beat them and we jump up, and this program just can't seem to get there. So you mentioned it before. If we're talking about the short term, if I'm Mark Coyle, I call up Chet Holmgren at uh, Minnehaha Academy, and I say, Chet, what do you think about John Beeline as our next head coach? Does that work for you? Because if it doesn't, I'll call somebody else. You know, I just think that th- this guy has recruited nobody from, I mean, Oturu and, and Kalsher, but, I mean, all the talent that has left this state, and, and nobody wants to play for him. I mean, we've got the nice facilities, don't we? Haven't we done all that? Have we answered all that? Isn't the conference good enough? Why won't anyone come and play for this guy in this state? So I just don't believe you can just have this mass exodus. you got to close the door at some point. And, um, you know, I don't know what, what Beeline's thinking after he left um, Cleveland. If, he, if, he, if he's done, done. Does he want to go back to college? If he wants to go back to college, he's my number one. I, I'm there in a heartbeat. And um, I would... I would push Richard out the door to get John Beeline in here. I mean, and Tim, recruiting should not be a major hurdle for this program anymore, right? I mean, you're, no. you're, 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 it's a Big Ten school. You're the only Power Five school in the state, so it's not yeah. like you have another in-state institution that you're competing with. You're not. This is not Michigan and Michigan State competing for basketball recruits or, you know, Ohio State competing with Michigan and things like that, all, all, even though those are two different states. But there's no – there, yeah, I mean, there's there's no other major institution or Power 5 school in this state that's pulling recruits away from the University of Minnesota. So especially over the last 10, 12 years with all of the talented players that have come out of this state, it shouldn't be this difficult – to keep some of these guys home. And I'm, you know, I'll be honest with you. I'm not, Ross and I have had this conversation many a times. I'm not the huge, you know, bang on the drum of you got to keep all the Minnesota kids here. My biggest thing is get, you know, I don't care where the kids are from, just get the right kids and get the talent, get as many talented kids as you can. But when you do see, you know, a JP McCura go to Xavier or you see a McKinley Wright go to Colorado, I mean, that, that sort of thing just should not be happening right now. You know, I mean, I understand not getting the Tyus Jones or or the Trey Jones because they go to Duke. I mean, Duke is obviously has the equity and everything. It's hard to compete with that. But in cases like Makira and McKinley Wright, like those sorts of in-state losses should not be happening. No, there's these two kids. Wisconsin's got basically two kids coming in that are separated at birth from Minnesota. I mean, they're clones. They look the same. They play the same game. They're the same height. They're the same weight. It's like you should have been able to say, oh, gosh, he's going to Madison. Well, I'll go to Minnesota. No, they're both going to play basically the same position at the same school. How much must you hate the head coach at Minnesota 
to not go there? I think it's a fair question. I mean, we'll never truly know everything that goes into it, but again, there is a reason why some of this is happening. We, they just lost another in-state recruit to Marquette. They didn't even yeah. lose him to Wisconsin. They lost him to Marquette. Well, technically in Wisconsin, but you you know what I meant. Tim, yeah. I want to shift gears a little bit, but stay with basketball. Your thoughts on the barn. The barn has come up, I think, a lot more this year than in years past as does the U need to pump some money into it for a massive renovation? Does the U need to build a new facility? Do they need to literally build a new brick and mortar somewhere else on campus? Your thoughts on the barn. My thought, I I think it's awesome. I think it's cool, but I think it's served its purpose. I just don't think you're going to wow any kid that comes into the barn this day and age. I think somewhere in the last 10 to, t- 10 to 20 years, it started to lose that appeal on today's 18-year-old kid. That's just my thought. What's yours? You know, you, you could be exactly right, but here's the danger. I mean, you tradition is something that once it's gone, I mean, you just you can't get it back. Your culture, you know, these are things you really have to fight for. You have to be able to know your history. You have to be able to tell your history. You have to be able to sell your history. And, and they, they've got it. I mean, it's, it's old now, but I mean, you've got Trent Tucker, you've got Michael Thompson, you've got Kevin McHale. You've got guys who've gone on and done great things in, in, in the NBA, you know, and you've got, you know, like Vashawn Leonard's and you know, other guys who've gone on and Bobby Jackson's who've gone on and played too. It's not like you can't produce these people. So what is it? So one thing is, is the raised floor. I mean, I think that if you go and replace this facility or if you gut it, you still got to come back and have that. You know, you got to have something that separates you from everybody else. And you look at, you know, like Hinkle Field House, and, you know, you, if you lose that, I mean, once it's gone, it's gone. Some things are, are better gone to get replaced by something better, but it, it's not always. So I'm I'm really mixed on this. I'd love to see them, if there's a way, if, if they had a firm come in and say, yes, we can redo this, we can make it better, but we can keep, you know, so much of it. I think that, you know, the location is great. You know, the, the structure is, is historic. Is there a way we can retrofit it? Or is there a way we can, you know, do something that would allow um, them to keep it? I, I would hate to lose it because, like, just much with the way they tore down the original Memorial Stadium, which was no prize, but once we learned, you take it off campus, you just lose something. And now they've brought it back, and they're in this process of rebuilding culture with the football program. Be careful what you wish for, because if you lose that uh, with the Gopher basketball team, I think that's one of the few things you know you really can hang your hat on is that tradition. For you, then it's your job to sell it to the next generation. Yeah, my and big a few wins will, and a few wins will do that. My big school of thought: either massively renovate what you have, somehow try and get some more light in there, jazz it up a little bit, or if you do decide you want to build a new arena and the funds are there, I do agree with you. The raised floor, even if it has a little bit of danger, probably just has to stay because it's what you you're known it. for and it's yeah. been a staple forever boys let's mix in a very quick break when we come back i want to pick tim's brain on gopher football the miracle on ice and maybe some other topics as well so we'll do that in just a few moments you are listening to the score north gopher show
Gopher fans, it's Phil Mackey here with a question for you business owners specifically. Have you ever had an insurance claim that left you feeling like you got sacked in the end zone? When something bad happens to the company you built with your blood, sweat, and tears, you don't want to be left sitting on the sidelines waiting to get back in the game. You want your insurance team to be ready with a game plan that helps you recover smoothly so you can get on with running your business. Your local federated representative is ready to create a custom playbook of specialty insurance products and risk management strategies for you. Federated Insurance. It's our business to protect yours. All right, Tim, let's rewind back to New Year's Day 2020. Just about two months ago, the Gophers defeat Auburn in the Outback Bowl. Wisconsin has another gut punch in a Rose Bowl. Was that the greatest day in Gopher football history since their last national championship? Oh, I think easy. I mean, I think, yes. It was, I don't know about you guys. I mean, I was just like, well, let's not get embarrassed. You know, let's not go there, down oh, yeah. there and, you know, not have the speed. And and to see the way that they not only hung with Auburn, but really carried the play. And and I just thought, well coached, well executed, uh, just a great effort, uh, both sides of the game. Wonderful way to cap off that season. So uh, I, I was, uh, like everybody else, I think, ecstatic and so excited about what's, uh, what's lying ahead. Tim, when's the last time you remember seeing a gopher passing attack be this good between the quarterback and Tanner Morgan playing as well as he did and this crop of receivers being so talented? And obviously they're losing Tyler Johnson to the draft, but Rashad Bateman is every bit as good, if not better, and, and certainly gonna he's going to go into 2020 as one of the best wide receivers in the country. When, when was the last time you remember seeing a gopher passing attack be this potent um, in, in your years of watching go for football? You know, it's, it's of the many things that this program has or has not been able to do. I mean, we have had Tutu Atwell. We have had like a Corey Sauter, you know, who put up some big numbers passing the ball, but the, the defense was giving up 65 points. I remember games we played Purdue where, you know, we scored 40 and Drew Brees scored 48, you yeah. know, that, that sort of thing. So we've been able to do the shootout thing in the past, but no, I don't ever remember having the depth. I mean, you mentioned Bateman, but uh, I think Ottman Bell's, I mean, that catch he made against Fresno State, yeah. you know, to save that game and, and uh, Demetrius Douglas, um, you know, I, from the Wyzetta system, I remember Demetrius as a middle schooler and he was hands down the most physically talented kid we had in the Wyzetta program at that time before he then moved out to Oregon. So I just keep thinking where those guys must be athletically if he's the three. So I just think with the depth that they have, the one thing that really surprised me, you guys, is is that Zach Anikstad hasn't jumped into the transfer portal. I mean, here's a guy who's had Tanner Morgan beat, you know, two years in a row, supposedly, and, and only injured himself and lost the job. I mean, can he really be in the running for the starting position? Can we possibly change quarterbacks? I wouldn't think so. I thought all of last year during spring ball that, I, to me, without seeing them play day in and day out, I was telling James Murphy and Daniel House, contributors to the Gopher show, I don't see how it's not Tanner Morgan. Anikstead, they might have thought, was the better quarterback, but the year prior when Anikstead went down, the team rallied around Tanner Morgan, went to the bowl game, beat Wisconsin, beat Georgia Tech. It never made any sense to me that Tanner Morgan wasn't the leader in the clubhouse to steal a golf term. And at this point, no, I think Zach's just waiting around in case Tanner Morgan's injured, which is a great problem to have. He does have that medical redshirt, so if he waits around long enough, he'll probably get his chance to quarterback this team. I I know he loves the school, but yeah, at some point, you'd have to think he probably wants to play. Maybe he's willing 
to wait it out. If you're keeping score at home, Tim, I just want to point out, when Manny asked you about the passing attack, I scribbled down two names, Tutu Atwell and Ryan Thelwell. So you and I on the same <laughs> wavelength there. Also, two of the greatest names in Gopher football history. Oh, it's definitely. Just, it's just fun to say Tutu Atwell and Ryan Thelwell. Tim, what should the expectations be going into this year? I I think, again, coming up here, what, uh, about a little month, uh, no, five weeks from now, spring game, first Saturday in April. They'll kick it off at 11 o'clock at TCF Bank Stadium. Actually, I have it somewhere in front of me. Saturday, April 4th at 11 a.m. at TCF Bank Stadium is the spring game. Let's just assume that everybody's healthy. It's a, it's not a great assumption to make, but let's just assume they go into the season entirely healthy. They come off this 11-2 and season. Where are you at? I think it's entirely realistic to think they're going to be just as good of a football team next year, but the schedule's a bit more difficult. So somewhere around 8-4, and 9-3 and three to me seems fair. If they win 10-plus games again next year, game on. Yeah, I mean, let's face it. They could have lost any one of those non-conference games last year. And, and then we get, you know, with Purdue and their, their quarterback and their best offensive player go down on the same play, and then they're out. I mean, I think that that was a break uh, for the Gophers, and things seem to really roll from that point on. But let's think about the two losses, not so much the wins. And when we played Wisconsin and we played Iowa, I think that's where you really saw the the age and the um, depth of those programs really come back to haunt us in the sense that they have these 50-year seniors, you know, and, and these are kids that have been, you know, lifting and, and playing in the system for three and four years for that opportunity. And a couple of years ago at our spring game, we couldn't even have a, an actual game because we didn't have enough offensive linemen. So what I really want to see, to me, will be the bellwether for the health of this program, is where are we from a depth standpoint on the offensive and defensive lines? And the last recruiting class, you saw we recruited a lot of defensive linemen. Now, some have gone, more are on the way. So I'm really intrigued to see what the depth looks like at that position. But even more so than that, we have to start becoming – Every year there should be an annual expectation. You, you can't count on having a Rashad Bateman all the time, but you should be able to get, you know, a, a Mo Ibrahim uh, and, and, you know, uh, Rodney Smith in the sense that we should be like Wisconsin and like Iowa in that our offensive lines should attract good running backs and we should have good running games because we can produce offensive linemen. We just have to cr- recruit them and we have to train them the way they do at Iowa and Wisconsin. So, I look at it as I really want to see the spring game to see where we are from a depth perspective on both the offensive and defensive lines. We played a lot of kids on that offensive line last year, and they're all coming back. All our tight ends are coming back. So from an offensive standpoint, yes, I am as optimistic as ever. But we lost some real dynamic playmakers on defense, and uh, we still have to be better on the defensive line. Um, I'm okay at linebacker. We have a lot coming back in the defensive backfield, minus, of course, one of the best players in college football last year. And, you know, what was weird is for all the years the Gophers were not good, we always seemed like we had the best kicker and the best punter. And last year I, I would say our kicking game was pedestrian at best when we had probably our best team in 50 years. So I'm looking to, to see a little improvement in the special teams areas, and that could make the difference in a win or two. Do you feel like that Wisconsin game, for as disappointing as it was, the the overall result, do you feel like that game was in some ways kind of a blessing because it, it sort of let everybody know, okay, 
this overall season has been a nice step in the right direction for this program, but there's still a lot of work to be done to really get to a level where the Gophers are, are at the same level with, with Wisconsin and can really compete with them year in and year out. Yeah, you know, Manny, I almost felt more about that from Iowa because I just sure. felt like I didn't think P.J. had a good game. I didn't feel like the players really dialed in. Yet there we were with three minutes to go, and you're like, we could still win this. Yeah. And ultimately, their their fifth-year seniors on the defensive line just stepped up, and you know they wanted it, they wanted the hog, and they went and they got it. And I was just like, man, we're still a year or two away from that. And and you just can't, you know, you can't be in too much of a hurry. But I just keep thinking, you know, somewhere all those kids in the offensive line uh, are, are are lifting weights and and they're running hard, and they're going to be that much better. I mean, you kept talking about the size of them last year, but I never really saw us, from a power perspective, really go out and dominate a lot of teams from an offensive line perspective. And and I think Ibrahim was so good and Smith was so good that we were able to uh, compensate for some of that. And and I think we should be a little bit better of a power football team this year and, and ball possession team, too, if we want to be, if we choose to be. So I, I really – that's, to me, what I really want to see is where, where are we in the defensive and offensive line uh, from, a, from a depth standpoint, and I think that will be the best indicator uh, for overall health of the program. Tim, over the weekend in town here and across the country, across the world actually, the Miracle on Ice anniversary, 40 years this past weekend, a lot of them were together again in St. Paul for a nice parade. What do you remember about that time period? I was not born until 1986. I jokingly told you on Twitter, you had asked a lot of people, where were you when you heard the United States won? And jokingly, Tim, I, I probably didn't know what it meant or that the United States won that hockey game until probably 1993 or 1994. So walk us through what was it like that day? What do you remember about that day? Were you covering sports at the time? Were you, were you in broadcasting? Were you with your family? Were you watching it live? Watch us or talk us through that day for you because – Minnesota, an integral part in the Miracle on Ice, of course, with Herb Brooks and a number of the players on that roster. Well, if you if you look at the, that roster, you know, you have 12 of them of 20 were from Minnesota. If you take the Badger, Mark Johnson, who was born in Minneapolis, you could call it 13, and you have Herb Brooks. So it really was the Minnesota Miracle on Ice. It, it was, Herb Brooks concocted this thing. So really, I have to go back with this to, I was actually, when the game was played, I was a junior in high school. And um, a lot of people now with this anniversary, a lot of people are are saying it correctly and writing it correctly, because a lot of people said, would tell you a story like they watched it live. And I had to like always bite my tongue because I was like, no, you didn't. Because they didn't show it live. They held it for uh, tape delay to put it in prime time. So I went home from school and, and, tuned around on an AM radio until I found like a staticky feed of the game. And the crowd was so crazy. It was hard to tell what was just noise and what was just the crowd. And it was pure agony. And and for me, you know, it takes it back because when Herb Brooks took over the Gopher hockey program, you know, they started to win and win championships, but there were, you know, there were some major dust-ups. I mean, there was fighting and there was, you know, it was, it was a real road show. And I you know followed these guys and um, so when they made the team, they played this long, drawn-out schedule where they traveled around, played like 60 games, and all the time the paper was reporting on what they were doing. So they actually played Sweden in the opener the day before the, um, the opening ceremonies. 
So I remember there was nothing in the paper the next morning. And so I'm watching the opening ceremonies, waiting for them to say, and they said, oh, the United States got a goal with like 30 seconds left from Bill Baker to tie it to two. And I was like, oh, they tied. You know, is that is Sweden good? Well, I didn't know six guys would go on from Sweden to play in the NHL. And um, so I didn't really know what to think. And then a couple of nights later, it was televised, and they, they played the Czech Republic, and they were the number two team. And they picked the coverage up with the game already in progress. And we're like a four to one. And I'm like, what? And they end up winning like seven to three. And it was funny. They tried putting the camera close to Herb Brooks as he's yelling at a guy in the ice, telling him what he's going to do with that guy's coho and, and putting a part of his anatomy that's just not physically possible. And Al Michaels goes, well, America, there's your coach. There's Herb Brooks. And they beat West Germany. And suddenly this game's coming up with Russia. And I remember walking around school and, you know, I was just a sports freak. I mean, I just into everything sports. And um, I, I was like nervous all day, not really thinking they were going to do it, but I just, you never know, you know, right. I'm a Homer. So uh, incurably. So I went home, I listened to the game. And when they, when they scored, I was running around the house. I had a black lab who was just like, like whining because he, he could sense like my nerves. I was just like a basket case. And I lived like two and a half blocks from my high school. So when the game kicked down, I didn't hear the Al Michaels call whatever the guy said in the radio and when they won, I literally ran from my house through backyards over snow, ran to my high school. Now I had a basketball game that night uh, at Henry Sibley and the girls were there playing uh, Sibley and there's a JV game going on. So I ran through the cafeteria into the gym, went to the PA person and I said, uh, I got to make an announcement. And, and so I was able to give the score and it was like everybody in that gym just stopped. And I said, and I paused after I said it. I said the score again. I go, we beat the Russians. And everybody just sat there and looked at each other and like for a minute. And they just said, we beat the Russians? No, I can't. We beat the Russians? Nobody could believe it. And then that was the big thing. And I actually went to, our, went to my varsity coach and didn't earn myself any points because I said, any way we could call Sibley and get this game postponed tonight? Because I'd really like to stay home and watch that game. And <laughs> that didn't go over real well. And, yeah, I sat on the pines all night. I never saw the game until I was working in broadcasting. Somebody had a copy of it. I, I like I just like been handed a gold bar. It's like, oh my God, is this the game? Because they, everybody, ABC, NBC, protected that Olympic footage so much for so long. I'd never seen it, so I didn't watch it that night when everybody else did. I had a basketball game, so I never actually saw it until I was probably in my thirties that I actually ever see the game. That's amazing, Tim. Was there ever any after they? beat the Russians in that in that semifinal, if you will, because I think that's sort of the thing that gets lost is I, that was not the gold medal game when they beat Russia. They, you know, they had to go on to the next round to the final to win. But at that point when they beat the Russians, was there any doubt that they were going to win gold at that point? I don't think among anybody else, we couldn't imagine that they were not going to beat Finland after that. Yeah. And and we probably didn't give Finland enough you know, credit. And it was on a, a Sunday and I remember like being at church and you just couldn't wait to get home and for the game to start. And every game in that tournament, every single one, they had to come from behind to win. And they were down to, to Finland two to one going into the third period. And uh, you guys might know this, you might not, because it wasn't in the movie Miracle, but um, there's a wonderful documentary done by HBO Sports called Do You Believe in Miracles? And it came out right around the, the 2000, around the turn of the century. And um, the boys on the hockey team felt better than I do. But I think what happened between the second and third period was Herb Brooks never entered the locker room. 
and right before they were supposed to come out, he walks in the locker room. They're waiting for him to say something. He walks in the middle of the room and he says, lose this game and you'll take it to your bleeping graves. And he walks away from to the door. He turns around one more time. He goes, to your bleeping graves. And he walked out. And that was all he said to the team between second and third period. And he scored Rob McClanahan from Mount. He scored the eventual gold medal winning goal against Finland. And people drove around, you know, beeping horns and, you know, hanging over, you know, American flags everywhere. And you've probably seen or heard this, but yeah, it wasn't the best of, best of times. I mean, we had hostages in Iran at that time and are just our, we were kind of in a funk. And it was unbelievable how the whole country just, in the beginning of the Olympics, it was all like, hey, nobody could get to any of the events. This is kind of poorly run. By the end of it, it was like, this was the greatest Olympics ever. And the speed skater, Eric Hyden from Wisconsin, he wins like five or six individual gold medals. It was like nobody cared. All everybody talked about was the miracle on ice. Tim, one thing that's always interested me about Herb Brooks and intrigued me was what he ended up doing towards the end of his life with Olympic hockey, where he actually coached, I believe it was France in the 98 Olympics. But then in 2002, he coached the USA team to a silver medal. Did you ever get a chance to talk with him or did you ever hear much about just what that was like to return to Olympic coaching in 98 and 2002? And when you talk about that 22-year gap, the way the Olympic rosters were comprised changed so much. He was taking a bunch of college or amateurs and trying to mold a perfect team, just like you talked about, Tim, playing so many exhibition games, even playing the Soviet Union before the Olympics started, just a few days before. Fast forward 22 years later, now he has NHL players. That alone just had to be a heck of a transition. It was. And, of course, you were now in Salt Lake City, and it was a really a, just a gift for me that uh, at that time I had covered the Atlanta Olympic Games. I'd gone to Sydney in 2000 and then uh, was part of a team that they did send to Salt Lake. So I got to go out uh, in advance to, to do a lot of the prep work. And I got to go out to the camp. And I went to actually Herb Brooks. He and Patty had bought a home in um, Birchwood, which is just a little bit north and east of where I grew up in White Bear Lake. And, and uh, so he actually bought a house. And so I went to his house. That's where he told me that they were going to make the movie and Kurt Russell was going to play him. My reaction was not good because I was not a Kurt Russell fan. I'm like, oh, my God. He goes, what, you think he's too good looking to play me? And he was, like, really offended that I, I just could not imagine Kurt Russell playing Herb Brooks. And he killed it. I mean, he just did a, he did a great job with it. But, but getting back to your question of, of the whole uh, experience of having NHL players, I was privy, you know, just a gift that he was talking to me about that. And he said, you know, he goes, Timmy, it's, it's just a lot different. You know, these are professionals. I can't, I can't treat them. I can't even begin to treat them like I did. So what I have to do is I have to kind of incorporate them, kind of talk about, you know, like a Mike Madonna. Mike, do you think uh, you, you and whatever, whatever on this line? And not like begging them, but kind of making it seem like it was sort of, you know, they had like input when they really didn't. He had what he wanted to do, but he couldn't, he didn't really want to take the hard line in case because he has a legacy to protect too. And you don't want some guy saying, well, I'm not doing that or that's stupid or whatever it is. But it was kind of neat because all those NHL players at that time, like Brett Hedekin from North St. Paul was on that team. And I remember them all just saying, I just want to be on this team, you know, to play for this guy in this setting. They were all hoping to recapture lightning in a bottle. And he got them there. He got them to the championship game. But unfortunately, Canada was just loaded 
and they pulled away in the third period. And I remember looking up at the booth and seeing Gretzky and all these, you know, executives from Canada. And it was like they had just won the Stanley Cup. I mean, they, they knew how big a deal it was to beat Herb Brooks and, and Team USA in Salt Lake, you know, in, in that one game. But uh, he, he came pretty darn close. And, uh, man, I'll tell you, when the day I heard that uh, he'd had the accident passed, um, it just it just absolutely crushed me and broke my heart. And I just uh, it, it's just such a void. But I, I just encourage anybody. There's been a number of, of books written about him. Uh, Ross Bernstein, a local author, has written a very good book. And what you realize is it, it, it's, it's more like the sting than the miracle on ice. It was like he planned this thing for, for months and months and months and orchestrated the entire thing. And it all fell in place and happened. And it all it's all because of him. I think the movie Miracle, as it kind of fades to black, doesn't it end with, I might get the quote a little bit wrong, but it basically ends with, Herb Brooks never saw it, he lived it. And that, that part just gets me every time. So so cool, and, and a, a tragic end to his life, but just what a great life lived, and all that he saw and all that he accomplished, just absolutely tremendous. And it's funny, I mean, 1980, you, you think of 40 years, like, that seems like so long ago, but it, it just, it really is not. It's just, what an what an awesome feat. I was one of many, I could tell, based off of what was happening on Netflix. Apparently, everybody watched Miracle over the weekend. I was one of them, <laughs> re-watching it, and it's, it, was, it was awesome. I think they did such a great job. Tim, one more question for you on the way out the door. We are almost two full years into the Bob Motzko era with the uh, Gopher men's hockey team. As of today, they've kind of worked themselves back onto the bubble for making the NCAA hockey tournament. I'd imagine two years into it, Bob's got to feel pretty happy with where the program's at. They've played so much better since Christmas and here in 2020. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. It's really interesting because with the switch to the big 10 and then the decline of the program and, and the rise of UMD and the rise of St. Cloud state, you know, I mean, you know, UMD keeps winning the title. St. Cloud state keeps winning like the regular season. And, and you've got these, uh, like Manny pointed out, you know, the, the basketball team is the only one in the area, but no in hockey, it's a real difficult thing. And it used to be, you know, with like the Doug Woog era, he was offering kids when they were sophomores and there was a lot of young men who don't develop until they're 17, 18 years old, not 15, 16. So he was getting all these guys who were 5'8 and 5'10. And here comes this guy who's like 6'2, 6'3 now as a senior in North Dakota says, want to come play for us? And he's like, yeah, and I'm pissed off. I didn't get to go to the Gophers. So it's been interesting for me watching Moscow put his, his team together. It's not like it used to be. Like So when I grew up, you read about and heard about Neil Broughton for years. When Rozo made the tournament, I remember me and my friends were just thrilled. We're like, oh, my God, we get to see Neil Broughton. And, you know, when he came down with Butsy Erickson, Brian Butsy Erickson and, and Aaron Broughton, they were just so dynamic. And you were just like, oh, my gosh, I hope he goes to the U. Now it's like you watch high school and you're like, are these the best players? Are they in juniors already? Or are they in Michigan? Where are they? Are they playing for Gentry Academy? Are they playing for Providence? Are they playing for, you know, you don't even know where, where the talent is. So when these kids arrive, you don't know who they are. So you used to know all these guys coming into the program and you don't have that anymore. So hard for me to evaluate just that they do seem to be uh, much more competitive and uh, it, just the vibe from the program seems to be good. The players seem to like, uh, Moscow, Moscow, and, and they just really seem to be getting the results. Uh, Penn State, I, I, I equate that almost like with the whole thing of where I was talking about Wisconsin and Iowa in football. I just think Penn State's reached a point now where we're just not there yet. 
but uh, they were pretty close to him uh, this year, and hopefully another year of, uh, of growth and maturity um, will be there. Tim, such great stuff again. We're going to have to talk again real soon, okay? Yeah, I, I don't feel like I gave Manny a chance to talk at all. He'd probably say never have that guy on again. He used up all the oxygen <laughs> no, the no, Tim, it was great. I appreciate it. It was finally, good to finally meet you. I know you and Ross have known each other for a while and go way back, and Ross has told me many stories of uh, you guys uh, collaborating together on things. And so it was, it was good to finally meet you and talk with you. Well, thank you, guys. I really appreciate the opportunity. It was a lot of fun. Tim, you have a wonderful rest of your day. We'll catch up here again real soon, okay? We'll see you. Tim McNiff, strategic communications coach and consultant for Tim McNiff LLC, also creator for original sports content for the National Sports Center in Blaine. He is on the Twitter machine, at Tim McNiff1. Of course, Manny Hill as well on Twitter, at MannyHill84. That will do it for this edition of the Score North Gophers show. You can probably look for one later this week. Gophers have that big basketball game against Maryland later this week. Would be fun to talk about a win. You never know. They're at home. They're at the barn. Who knows? Again, I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, I'm not going (laughs) to hold my breath either, yeah. But we will see. Our thanks to Tim McNiff. And again, if you get a chance, we would certainly appreciate a five-star review on this Score North Gophers show. Thanks for listening. Tell a friend. We'll talk soon.